Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And as we begin, it's one of those questions that gets asked. And it usually shows up the day after some natural event, natural catastrophe, maybe the terrors of pain or crime or disease. And it usually doesn't come from the Christian, I'll readily admit that, but it gets asked nonetheless. Where was God? And not just the, the question, where was God, but the natural consequence, what they're trying to imply, why didn't God stop that, prevent this? And the implication, not coming from a question of faith, not quite coming from a question of understanding and curiosity, which would be the Christian praying, you know, Lord, I don't see how this event or these circumstances could be a blessing to your people, but I know that they are because you said so. But the implication coming from the unbeliever, where was God? If God is powerful, then why didn't he? That somehow either God is not powerful enough to prevent bad things from happening, or that God simply doesn't care enough to prevent things from happening. Where was God? Why didn't he stop Adam and Eve from eating from the tree? Where was God? Why didn't he steer that hurricane a little bit more this way or make sure that, um, that the dam held a little bit longer? Where was God? Why didn't he introduce some sort of um, malfunction or some sort of change to the environment so that this bad thing, fill in the blank, didn't happen? Why didn't God make sure that this didn't happen? That question, where is God, is only matched by its mirror when it comes to a personal set of accountability, not the mirror of where was God, but if I was the one, or if some person was the one who perpetrated the evil, well, then the devil made me do it. Where was God? Because if he could have done something, he would have. And if the blame lies with me, then surely it doesn't actually lie with me. The buck doesn't stop here. It actually lies somewhere else. And that question, where was God, is met in our gospel reading today. As we hear, um, as we hear this angel appear to Joseph, and this angel reiterates what Isaiah the prophet had written and said, that the virgin would be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. And together with that, that question, where is God? You've got to think yourself into Joseph's shoes for just a moment. That the way that the, the marriage um, custom worked in their day and their time was that the couple would, would sit down and become legally married. They would sit down, you know, with their family and they would discuss whatever the terms of the legal arrangement happened to be. And in our modern equivalent, that's carried out by going to the court and going to the courthouse and uh, getting a marriage license. And the couple shows up and say, here's my social security number and, um, and we'd like a marriage license. And then they would be legally married once that marriage license is, is signed. And even in our, in our system, 
the pastors of our, of our church body, including Pastor Hagen, are recognized by the state of Ohio as allowing or having the ability to legally marry people. So Mary and Joseph have sat down with their family, and they've signed all the marriage license. And that's when the planning begins. It's not like an engagement that we typically have in, in our society. It was a betrothal where they have legally bound themselves to one another in this, in this binding promise. And Mary and Joseph have sat down, and then they go on their way. Mary goes back to her home for a while, and Joseph goes back to his home, actually his father's house. And in his father's house, he builds another room. And in that room would be the place where he and his beloved spend the first year or first few years of their married life together. And in that system, the way that God had it set up, was that the, the married couple would have their first full year off from work. They would be supported by family and friends and neighbors as they began their married life together. And then if and when the Lord had blessed them with children, then grandma and grandpa would be right there to assist. So Mary and Joseph, they are legally married. And Joseph is hard at work adding on this room to his father's house and if you're hearing echoes of John chapter 14 there, you'd be correct. He is adding on another room to his father's house, and then he gets the word. Maybe he heard from Mary, or maybe he heard from somebody else that the gossip has been floating around Nazareth. Well, did you know? Mary is expecting a child. Not exactly what Joseph had in mind. Because as he's preparing this room in his father's house, they are also preparing for and getting ready for this massive celebration that will be over a week. A week long of celebration of like the religious wedding, the blessing from the local rabbi or priest, whatever the case may be. And they would have this feast as we hear about Jesus attending in the wedding at Cana. This feast that would go on for multiple days and they would celebrate they would sit down and celebrate the gift and the blessing of marriage to this young couple. They would sit down and take joy and take pride in this family who had been begun under God's blessing and who was embarking on a new life together. And so Joseph, perhaps tired after a full day of, of working in whatever shop he was a craftsman in, and then working to remodel this room that he's adding on to his father's house, Joseph hears the news and he's like, I don't get it, but we'll figure it out. He hears the news and he has in mind to divorce her quietly. He has in mind not to expose her to public disgrace, which um, depending on the time frame, depending on the location, that public disgrace might even include being pelted with stones until dead. For adultery. And as he is mulling this over in his mind, and he's falling asleep, a little tired, a little stressed, a little wondering, and he thinks he has the solution. And then the angel appears to him. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph listened, and Joseph followed what the angel had said. But the looming question, the question over the entire reading, 
is where is God? That maybe on the one hand, God could have let Joseph know ahead of time so that he wouldn't have the, the heartache and the worry. Or on the other hand, if, if this Emmanuel was coming to dwell with his people, then why in such a subtle and simple way? If God was really coming to dwell among his people, then why does he come in such a hidden way? Where is God? Joseph hears about the news and he thinks that he has the solution and he, and he pursues that solution until he comes to a dead end. And Joseph wonders, well, where is God? Until, until the word from God reassures him. And just looking at Joseph and recognizing the, the thought and even the heartbreak that may have been on his mind for those few days, recognizing the, the thought as he tried to come up with the solution, that question, where is God, loomed large in his view, as it should in ours. Because you and I might not be faced with the exact same circumstance, obviously we aren't, because nobody in here is giving birth to the Son of God. You and I aren't faced with the same circumstance, but I'm sure that you have had similar circumstances in your life. The sort of thing that makes you wonder, um, how are we going to make this work? What is actually going to happen? Why does it have to be this way? And when will my heart feel at ease about this? You can fill in the details from your own life. But what you need to see is that Joseph had all those same feelings, all those same wonderings, all those same concerns, all those same efforts to find some peace, all those same efforts to resolve the inner conflict and to resolve his duty to society, all those same attempts to finally find some quiet and finally find an answer that would fit both within his own personal standard as well as what society expected. Where is God? It's that question that people ask after tragedies and events, after crimes and natural disasters. And realistically, it's the question that each of us has, to, has had to deal with at one point or another. And if you haven't yet, God be praised. But you most certainly will. And even if that question doesn't come out in the exact same way that the unbeliever might ask after, afterward, it's also the question that the believer has to deal with. What is the proper course of action? Because whatever the circumstance is, it really weighs on my heart and on my mind. And it's something that I, it's my responsibility to deal with. And what should I do? I wish that my Lord would just snap his divine fingers and, and make it all better. I wish that my Lord would simply, you know, make the arthritis go away. I wish that my Lord would resolve this conflict or rewind a few days so that this event never happened in the first place. And what is that? Except the wondering. Where is God? Even if it, even if it comes from a heart of faith, at the same time, the Christian earnestly wonders, where is God when it seems like his power, his glory, his love, his concern is 
hidden? Where is God when I'm the one with, with a broken heart? And I'm the one who now has to, has to manage my life now that it's been turned upside down. Where is God when I'm the one who's supposed to pull it together because it's Christmas? And where is God when I want things to be different but I can't change them? And Joseph thought he had it figured out. And he had expected a little bit something more, you know, maybe something powerful, maybe that things had never happened that way, but he had a solution that was the best that he could do with what he had. And then God sent his angel. And in sending that angel, God reminded Joseph and you and me that his normal manner of operating, that his normal course of action isn't in bold and powerful and astounding and amazing. But his normal course of action is in the subtle, the simple, the quiet, the unseen. Because when God sent this angel, and whether Mary had made it through the first trimester or she had simply passed word to Joseph, you know, whether she was showing or whether she wasn't, Joseph got the word. And you would expect that God would have acted differently. But he didn't. That question of, where is God? God is doing the exact same thing that he had always done, that the most wonderful and the most, in, the most incredible miracle of all time was one that nobody saw. That the most unbelievable miracle of all time, of God becoming a human, of infinite God now, now containing himself and joining his human creatures. That this, that this Son of God was both, yes, the Son of Mary as well as the Son of God. And that he wasn't some, some mixture of divine and human, but he, he is fully human and fully man. That he is fully man with a body like yours and mine. That he has gone through every stage of human development from the first nine months within the womb, from the moment his life began there all the way through to adulthood. That he himself had even experienced pain and loss and heartbreak. That he himself had experienced betrayal and neglect. That this God, that this God joined his people. Where is God? The question, the question is normally one asking, where is God and why doesn't he change things? Why didn't he prevent things? And God's answer is, I'm right here. I'm with you. Emmanuel. That's, the that's just what the word means. Im meaning with. Immanu uh, meaning with us. And then an El meaning God. That's our Hebrew lesson for today. <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us. Or he's the with us God. Now where is God? He is not far off and unknown. But he is joining his people in their sorrow and in their misery. That he is walking alongside his people as they, as they age and seeing his own mother go through the pain of loss. That where is God? That he is with his people, exactly as he said, that he has joined his people as a human so that, he, so that you and I can know that this God that this God cares so much about whatever it is that you've had to experience or whatever you wish had been, 
had happened differently, that this God has been there and that he has walked every single mile and every single year and every single decade of your shoes. And with all of all of his divine goodness and power, as well as all of his human, um, human flesh, that he was a God and still is a God who during his ministry, he became tired. During his ministry, he needed, he needed to um, find some time to get away and to recharge. That he was tempted in the same way just as you or I. And yet even more than that, that he resisted that temptation rather than um, you know, our experience learning through the, the school of hard knocks and eventually the pain that I don't want to do that particular sin just in time for another temptation to come crawling into our life. And yet this Jesus, tempted in every way just as you or I are, that this Jesus didn't have that temptation let up. And where is God? that he has joined you and me so that you would know exactly how much he cares about you. That where is God? He hides himself in the exact same way today that he did during those nine months before Christmas. That he hides himself um, even today. And you might, I mean, fast forward to the end of his ministry, the end of the, like the gospel of uh, Matthew or Luke, and there is Jesus ascending into heaven, visibly withdrawing his his, um, his visible presence. That this Jesus who is both God and man in one person didn't stop being God or man in one person. That the miracle God did nine months before Christmas is a miracle that extends through all eternity. That question of where is God, that he is still and ever, always, forever will be Emmanuel, God with us. With human flesh, with a human body, yes, in a glorified state, so that, yes, even now as both human and God, he can be everywhere exactly, exactly as God is everywhere. But where is God? That our Emmanuel comes to us still in this hidden way, where the greatest miracle of all time in the incarnation uh, of God becoming flesh, of God becoming human, the greatest miracle of all time was seen by nobody the second or third greatest miracle of all time is something we receive every Sunday where God hides himself again where the son of God hides himself again where is God? He's right here and he is right here with all of his gifts with all of his concern with all of his grace with all of his comfort with all of his power with all of his forgiveness and he could go on and on and on he is here with all of his interceding on your behalf he is here with all of his hearing your prayers and answering them in a way that is best for you, in a time that is his perfect timing for you, he is here so that, so that he can carry your sorrows and mine, so that even, even if that answer, you know, whether, it's, um, whether it's a pain of you know, physical pain, emotional pain, or whatever the case may be, that this God became Emmanuel, so that you would know, yes, he cares, yes, he has the power, and even if the suffering should persist for the rest of your lifetime, that this God who is God with us, this God who is Emmanuel, isn't letting that happen because he doesn't care or because he doesn't have the power. Even if the suffering should persist for a lifetime, 
It persists as a suffering that has been overseen and, um, and restrained and comforted by the one who is Emmanuel, by the one who still is Emmanuel, our God with us. Our God with us who is with us, yes, as a human in a divinely exalted and glorified state, of course, but human, just like you and me, without, but without sin. Where is God? It's a question that is, um, that is asked after tragedy and, um, and other headline news, I guess, if you want to summarize it that way. Chances are it's a question that, um, that each of us has asked and wondered about. And it's probably a question that you know somebody has also asked. It's probably a question that, whether it's not something that you struggle with personally right now or not, it's a question that, um, that somebody you know is wondering whether they have the words for that or not. And so on the way out today, um, we've got these. It's on a little bit you know, heavier paper. And it's our invitation for Christmas Eve worship. Also has our Christmas Day and our Sunday morning worship. And we're going to try to hand out two to everybody. Or at least two to every household. We'll go with that. Because that means that, yeah, yes, there's at least one for your own fridge. But there's, then there's another one that doesn't fit on your fridge. But it fits with somebody that you know who is wondering that same question. And who needs the same answer. Not the answer of, of where is God and I wish that he would change my life. Where is God? I wish that things had happened differently. Where is God? Because I need him now. But the question of where is God is exactly where he always said he would be. Concealing his, his, divin, his divine glory so that he could be with his people. Where is God? He is among his people in word and sacrament so that you and I can have comfort today and always. That this is our Emmanuel, our God with us. Amen.